This is Gospel Message, week 47, and it's taken from John 16, 33. John 16, 33, and it reads, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We have been hearing about suffering a lot these days, especially because of this COVID-19. We hear it preached in church, it's on TV, it's in evangelism, and on and on. As you could see, it's been in everybody's mind. Both Christians and non-Christians are all wondering, if God is so good, why are we suffering? Why do we suffer? Why is so many people dying? Both Christians and non-Christians are dying. Why are believers languishing in sickbed? This is a timeless question. So I decided to touch on it as well. See what God says in his word about suffering. Basically, just to remind us, you know, what, how God deals with suffering. Because we tend to get overwhelmed. And when this happens, it causes us not to see God in the midst. Church, I know from experience that any intellectual response to this question of pain will not make the experience go away or any easier to endure. And as I search through, I'm learning that we really have no choice in this matter. No matter the reason, it seems pain and suffering are unavoidable. What we do to control our reaction, how we deal with the pain, and what we do with that experience is the only thing we have control over. You see, everyone in healthcare, I mean, I'm talking about doctors, nurses, therapists, we deal in human suffering. It is so difficult to witness that all day, every day, week after week. As humans, we are weak in front of suffering. We have no control over it. And it's sad in us. But some suffering we have control over. For instance, to perfect ourselves, to develop ourselves, we have to suffer. We go to school, we sit in libraries when we don't want to. We stay up night, stay up late all night to study when we'd rather be doing something else. If we don't make ourselves suffer, we make everyone who has anything to do with us suffer because the parent who has the incorrigible child who would go to school or do his homework, find a job, that person suffers because the child won't discipline himself to suffer himself, literally. And other times, we make ourselves suffer because we want to lose weight, we want to look good. So we go on diet, we stop eating the foods that we enjoy. But I want to talk about the suffering we don't control, the one we have no control over. According to the Bible, when sin entered the world, death entered, chronic pain, illness, and disease are all forms of death. Christians can experience many trouble, mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual suffering. Psalm 34, 19 says, all Christians have or will suffer, according to John 16, 33 and Acts 14, 22. You see, suffering can come because of foolish choices 
we see that in Proverbs. It says, fools suffer harm, Proverbs 13, 12. And then lazy people become hungry, Proverbs 19, uh, uh, 15. Adulterers reap bad consequences, Proverbs 16, 32. It goes on and on and so forth. Some suffering comes because of a battle for the believer's allegiance, as in the case of Job, in Job 1, 12, 11 to 12. Satan still comes to believers in times of uncertainty or suffering, tempting them to doubt God. In this area of warfare, God's children can either curse God because of the suffering or trust him in the midst of trials as Job did in Job 2, 9 to 10. While suffering can be a result of sin, Romans 8, 20 to 22 says, All creation, even the righteous, will groan under the weight of sin and suffering. Suffering is not without purpose. God sovereignly uses circumstances to teach powerful lessons or accomplish his will. I want to make a disclaimer at this juncture. God is not the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls Satan the God of this world. And the laws governing the earth today very largely came into being with the fall of man and the cause of earth. God does not cause us to suffer. He simply uses our suffering as a tool. God is still healing his children today. So if God calls you to get sick and then heals you, God is working against himself. You know what the Bible says? If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Mark 3, 24 to 25. If you want to know what God does, look at Jesus. According to John 10, John um, 14, 10, it was God in him who did the work he did on earth. And what, what, what work did he do, you ask? He calmed the storm. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. The blind received their sight. And the lame walk. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says God got someone sick or killed or caused them to be in an accident. It is not from God. Tragedies are especially difficult to understand, but sometimes God uses earthly calamities as an agent of change, calling people to repentance as he did in Luke 13 verses 4 to 5. Suffering is never random. As we see in one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the the story about Joseph's life in Genesis 37 verse 50. His suffering led to many people being rescued. Jesus in his flesh experienced weariness and other human weakness. He was tempted in every way humans are, yet he was without sin. In the midst of impending suffering, Jesus' example was, Not my will, but yours be done. God uses our pain and suffering in so many ways. The first or number one, 
He uses our pain and suffering to refine us. You can see that in Isaiah 48 verse 10. I'm not going to be able to read all the, the Bible verses. I'm just going to give you a reference. And then you can read the Bible verses later. But I'll just tell you what God is doing in there. So in, in, in Isaiah 48 verse 10, the verse makes it clear that pain and suffering have a way of bringing our strength and our weakness to the surface. Whatever, whatever surfaces during this period, God removes it. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Romans 5, 4-3, the NIV version. Number two, God uses suffering to equip us to comfort others. It says so in, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. Sufferers want to be ministered by people who had suffered the same thing. It is true for me. I want someone who had gone through the same thing that I had gone through and the person have overcame it or overcome it and come and tell me that there is hope. I don't want somebody who hasn't experienced it to come and start to, to, to encourage me, to try to talk to me. But the person that I've gone through it, I could see. If you've gone through it, you come out. Yes, I know I could come out. Number three, God uses suffering to produce intimacy with God. Job's 42 verse 5. There is an opening in the soul that happens during times of stress or duress. Intimacy with God is often born in the furnace of affliction. Job said, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Number four, God used suffering to produce growth and maturity. James 1, 2-4. Now, in suffering, if we turn towards God in our pain, he uses our suffering to mature our faith. It's not if you turn away from God, you're not going to get mature from it. But when you turn towards God, he uses that pain, that suffering to mature you. Number five, God uses suffering to conform us into God's image. Romans 8, 28 to 29. If we are willing to sit and let God walk, we will find ourselves being transformed into the image of Jesus. When we see God through his word and prayer, we'll find Jesus. Again, this goes to tell you about seeking God in your suffering and then you'll mature us. Number six, the last but not the least, and this is my favorite, suffering prepares us for greater glory. Suffering, pain, prepares you and I for greater glory. We don't like to suffer and we try to avoid it. But Paul says in Corinthians, light and momentary trouble achieve for us greater joy and eternal glory that outweighs anything they will suffer. So whatever suffering we're going through, whether it's pain, looking for a child and you're not getting the child the time that you want it, whether you are sick, whether you are unemployed for years and years, whether you, I mean, whatever the problem is, this is temporary and your glory 
brothers and sisters, your glory, church, that you get, the eternal glory, is way better than this temporary suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. This is Romans 8, 18, New Living Translation. Church, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16, 19-31 is a great example of the reward we get for this temporal suffering we endure on this earth. The Bible says the rich man who was suffering in hell after he died asked Lazarus, who was now enjoying, asking for help. Well, we know the story, but Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had comfort. You have everything you wanted. Everything. Okay? You had comfort, you have everything. And Lazarus had nothing. Lazarus was suffering. So now he's here being comforted and you are in anguish. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. James 1 verse 12, New Living Translation. To me, if this doesn't explain it, I don't know what will. I know, knowing all this doesn't make it easy or takes the pain away. Hang in there. Our Lord sees you. He sees it all. He sees you in your suffering. He sees you in your anguish. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in that bed that you're laying, suffering. He sees you. In the financial difficulty you're going through, He sees you. The unemployment, He sees you. He sees everything. Because in Genesis 16, 13, Hagar said, You are the God who sees me. He sees everything, brothers and sisters. He's omnipotent, omniscient. The Bible says in, in the Psalms, I think it's Psalms 139, even if we go to hell, he's there. So he sees us. Jesus, through his suffering, has transformed human suffering into divine currency. And that's why we all can participate in Jesus' suffering. And that's basically what we're doing when we suffer. You see how Lazarus, who was suffering, God transformed. That was his currency for him to get eternal glory, to be comforted in heaven. God transformed our human suffering into divine currency. 1 Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called, because Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his step. In Colossians 1.24, New Living Translation, Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues for his body, the church. We just don't understand it. Christians, human, we don't understand it. Christians who are not spiritually inclined don't see the value of human suffering and tries to avoid it. I know I try to avoid it too. But if only God could give us a glimpse of what he has for us for enduring the suffering, we'll rejoice when we are suffering, we will want to stay in our suffering. Paul saw a glimpse, and that's why he said in Colossians, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Brothers and sisters, God sees you wherever you are, whatever you're suffering, He sees you, He knows you. If you don't get your relief on this earth like Lazarus, you'll get your eternal glory. But if it is will to get you relief, because he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. If it is will to get you out of that suffering, he will when he's ready. The blind man was born blind. For over 30 years he was blind. And when he met Jesus, he was healed. That was the time for him to get healed. When your time, when my time comes, we'll get our relief. May God bless his holy word. Amen.